This is Chris. And this is Andrew. And welcome back to episode 51 of Video Games Cover to Cover, where we are continuing our coverage of the Final Fantasy VII Remake. It's not endless coverage yet? No, it's not The Witcher or something similarly long where it lasts forever. I'm I'm beginning to wonder if anything's ever going to be as long as The Witcher. Well, if we do Persona 5, probably. Yeah, that's a good bit. That is a very long game. Especially with the Royal stuff. Well, I've never actually finished Persona 5 either. But Royal's supposed to be, last I had heard, supposed to make the game like 50% longer. What? Yeah, it's a lot. 50%? Allegedly, yeah. It's like another another 50%. I guess now I understand why it never came out on the Switch. I was really hoping it would have come out on the Switch. Well, there keeps being rumors of like a Persona... um, like remastered collection of like all the previous ones because those all could fit on the switch and like the first two that basically like no one ever played what would be really exciting for me is if persona 3 was on the switch because i never finished persona 3 and you never played persona 4 at all i don't think i didn't know but i did i i I went through and i started playing fez and i absolutely loved it because of makoto which is the uh is it makoto no, that's that's Persona Five. I was gonna say Makoto's the the punch the, the student council lady in five. Well Mitsuru. yeah, but it was the student it was a student council president for Fez too. Yes, yes. I can't even remember her name. She is my favorite. I wanted to go to school all day, every day, just for her. And then max out your academics because that was the only way she would date you. Well yeah, I know. That's why I had to go to school. I had to go to school, I had to study, I had to become an upstanding citizen just for her. I will say that opening of Persona 3 is still like one of my favorite moments of just about any video game ever. Well, I guess not the opening, but the first time the when you first you get your person like use your persona and stuff, the first fight. Yes. Yeah, it was so awesome. I remember that to this day, and it's one of my favorite moments. And I'm like, you know what? Because that was the first persona I had ever played after you said, dude, do it. I still can't stand Junpei. Because of all the terrible decisions he makes in in my party. Not just as a character, but just every single time he casts lightning on something, I hated him so much. Fire. He, ha- he was fire. I don't know. All I know is he just, every time I needed him to do something, he just wouldn't do it. And then I found out later that you can control all of them to a ridiculous degree, which is what I did. Because I couldn't trust Junpei to do anything. <laughs> I only, I always, I always let people do what they want during the fights. And then like, I only, I only changed to full control for bosses. Well, that's what I meant during regular fights. I didn't care. He can mess up as much as he wants. The only thing that would really annoy me is if he messed up a knocking down chain and, and but this isn't pers- anyway. <laughs> well, at some point we're going to have to do persona five now, because here we are talking about it. Yes. We're here for final fantasy. We left off last time where we had just seen Setheroth, the ultimate villain <laughs> of pretty much everything, uh, the greatest character in this game, second only to Tifa. <laughs> just really just an all-around, well, third to Scarlet. <laughs> Gosh, Scarlet I wonder. Scarlet is apparently getting a lot of hate online. And I just, I see, I, it's just unfounded to me. You know, I don't know what kind of evil things she did before, when we when we get there, we'll talk about that. But like the Shinra guys are way over the top evil in this game. I mean, like they already yeah, were. But Reeves is seems like a nice guy. Yeah, I think Reeves, Reeves is fine. I think Reeves can really have a heart to heart with her. And 
she can really turn it around, Andrew. I really think it's possible. There's the one guy who's just obsessed with rockets. Palmer. Nobody cares about him. The military guy, he's a guy. But it's around this time that, you know, we continue our journey on the road. Back to Yellow Brick Road. (laughs) Back to Aerith's house. Marlene. Right, where Marlene is, where we assume Marlene is. And then again, I think we might have mentioned this last week, but there was a, a moment where this whole section I thought was probably the best characterization of Barrett that we've had this entire game, where he goes and talks about how, you know, he, Cloud's, he's like, he talks to Cloud and goes, so so she's there, right? I, I think she's there. Look, you got to give me something, man. I, I got to have something to believe on. I You can just tell me. I promise I won't get mad. Then he immediately goes, ah, who am I kidding? I'd probably rip your head off. <laughs> and that was, I thought that was a really good moment of Barrett's characterization of like, you know, how much he cares and also like how angry he is, even when he doesn't want to be like, it's just an inherent like thing in him. Well, and I've seen Barrett kind of get a lot of hate online in general. And I kind of feel like it's mostly unfounded. Uh, basically people are saying, oh, he's a walking stereotype. He's this, he's that, he's annoying. I skip all of his dialogue options. And I'm just sitting there like, I, I, I feel like in the first part of the game, Barrett was annoying. He was just giving everything back to Cloud. But in the first part of the game, Cloud was just as annoying to me. Well, Both of them were giant douchers to each other, and I didn't like either character because of it. Well, and also, like we talked about, both of them were just putting on a front, too, because neither of them wanted the other person to see how they actually felt about stuff. Exactly. And for me, it was kind of around the Sunlamps section, where Barrett's character finally started to... You would get bits and pieces of, hey, we really need you, man. Like, we... We re- I understand that we absolutely need your help here. And he was stubborn before and didn't want to take him on the mission and everything like that at that point. But it, it's very clear that Barrett understands how capable he is and he really cares. And especially after Cloud, you know, got pushed into the sea or whatever, thrown off the <laughs> side of the of the plate when Cloud apparently developed the ability to fly and somehow survived that section. It's- but we all know he didn't because all of this is from the. It's all it's all his perspective of Seth or his soldier magic. And so I, I I really think a lot of the hate that Barrett is getting online is really unfounded. I I have grown to sure there are parts where Barrett can be annoying. There are parts where every character can be annoying. I, I, I thought that Jesse constantly thirsting after Cloud started to get annoying because it's like, do you have any other thoughts in your brain that aren't just <laughs> I want Cloud right now? And it's like, oh, I, I get that, you know, you're coming on really strong and I don't dislike Jesse's character overall, but I'm like, are they really going to do nothing else with you? Which when she got the whole thing with her mom and everything and her dad like that, that was really, that was really nice to see. But she's apparently dead now. So cool. Thanks, game. Really appreciate that. I mean, we knew but it was we- coming, but... I knew it was coming, but the whole time I secretly hoped that it wasn't going to go down that way. The whole time I hoped that it wasn't going to go down that way because I'm like, they they have a real opportunity to change some things, in my opinion, for the better. And that's, we didn't know what happened to them before. Maybe they're alive now. And we're about to find out that Wedge is apparently a a lifeless corpse, but, (laughs) but we didn't. So far, we haven't seen anything else for 
Jesse or Biggs. And that's incredibly disappointing because I feel like they really had an opportunity to to change something and but we can't change things going back to my personal you know theory that's going on i know and that's the more i think about it the more that entire theory upsets me and Same i know here. that honestly it's it's not the theory itself that upsets me it's the fact that i i legitimately have no idea what else it could be and that in general as a plot device of hey we can't change anything it basically just feels like I'm forced into a game that's never going to change, and that's so frustrating. Uh, for me, the big thing about it is I feel like they've really leaned on them a lot more than they should, if that's what it's about, because then it feels like the, the ghosts or whatever have all the agency in the story, and none of the characters have any say in what they're actually doing. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's almost like using fan service as a plot device. Like you were saying before is, well, fans of the original game are going to be upset if they change everything completely. Okay, I, I get that, but it's Final Fantasy. People are going to play it regardless. People are, uh, you're, you're literally never going to make everybody happy with any game at all, period. So why don't you use this opportunity to change a few things here and there? Like J Wedge, Biggs, and Jesse don't really have any huge impact on the story at all other than they're just there in the original game here they have a much bigger impact because the game is extended to such a larger degree that yeah it is something that okay they're dead you're not going to see them but it's like why just it, it sounds like the only reason they're dead is because, oh, well, they were never mentioned in the previous game, so they're just assumed dead, and fan service, we can't have them alive anymore. Nobody wants to see Wedge, Biggs, or Jesse anymore. And it's like, oh, that just that's so frustrating from my perspective. Yeah, I either change things or don't, but I really don't like the... the and I, I agree, because... At, at first, I was like, eh, I don't know how I feel about this. Then I kind of warmed up to it. And then I kind of went back to not liking it. And for me, the big thing is just either change it or don't. But you don't have to constantly like make winking references to the fact that, oh, we could have done something different, but we chose not to because it's got to go this way. Like, just just do and, it that way. Like, you don't have and to that keep is the part that's so frustrating for me. You're, you, you, you hit it right there on the head. We could have changed it. We just decided not to. <laughs> oh, like, okay. You just keep referencing it. You're like, oh, I get it. If they only came up once or twice, and now, you know, we're, watch us look really stupid when we get further in and it turns out they're not this at all. But but by operating under this theory, like, it, it's just really, okay, I get it. You're doing the same thing. You can stop constantly beating us over the head with it. If that's not it, Andrew, I legitimately have no idea what they're doing. I really have no clue. Because it kind of sounds like, that is definitely it. Yeah. I don't know what else it could be either, but I just wouldn't it be ironic if we're, you know, we're staking our claim in the ground about this and how much it sucks. And then, oh, it's actually not that at all. Good job, guys. <laughs> well, that would be a fun slap in the face. So, so we get back to Marlene and again, another humanizing moment for Barrett. He, he busts into the door and he immediately yells at Elmira and just to Elmira's credit, just the one of the most awesome people. She just immediately yells at him. She's sleeping upstairs. Shut up. Quit being loud. <laughs> yeah. And then Cloud kind of busts in. He's like, Barrett, dude, she's just helping. And, and Barrett's just kind of, I, I mean, he's, he's a father. He's a worried who, father. Yeah. 
is worried about his daughter. I get it. You know, there's an argument for maybe you shouldn't keep leaving her alone and maybe just chill out. But that goes back to there really are bigger things at work here, specifically Setharoth <laughs> and, and to a much lesser degree, Shinra, that Barrett just doesn't understand yet. You know, right now, Barrett's all upset with with Shinra, but we know and we know that someday all that's going to change, Andrew, and the real ultimate villain is going to show his face or many faces because there's a bunch of clones or something. <laughs> so after the interchange with Elmira and and Marlene, you know, I'm interested. Well, not interested. Interested about I'm confused because did I miss a dialogue option where Cloud said that they wouldn't search? They wouldn't go after Aerith? No. Because right here, she mentioned something later down the line that I told you not to go after Aerith or something. Because they, they, they don't make the decision to go after Aerith yet. The very first thing that they do is we decide to go back to see if the three of them are still alive. But in this section, apparently there is a dialogue option where Elmira said something about you can't go after Aerith or you shouldn't go after Aerith or something like that because you'll just get killed and that'll make her decision to go with them completely invalidated. Yeah, no, I mean, she does do that in this section of basically saying, hey, don't do this, but that's really all the further. And and then we're like, well, we're going to go back and look for survivors anyway. I mean, she does be like, well, you can't go after her or whatever, but that like nobody else even really talks about it that I remember in that point. Okay. Because this is where you find out that Aerith is an ancient. I mean, it was clear that something was going on with Aerith to begin with. Yeah, Elmira finally gives you that backstory. And I don't think, I, I don't know if I mentioned this before. Or I think or specifically she's half ancient. Yes, because her mom was a full ancient and she is she is half. Which, if her mom was living in that test facility. So in the section where we find out that she's an ancient, we find out that Apparently, her and her mom were uh, had escaped from some test facility. Presumed Shinra, obviously, because they're the ones that keep trying to get yeah and, back. And honestly, who else is going to be doing it? Because Shinra does everything in Midgar. So Setharov could have been doing it. We 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 you can't discount him. You're right. I mean, yeah, he he's definitely well known for just having test facilities everywhere. I, my bad. <laughs> he's got this whole network of super science going on. Yeah, man, he's got plans. <laughs> and business that you just don't know about. And you're just not giving him the benefit of the doubt because you just don't like keeping Sethroth. Keeping that massive sword sharp and usable is not a cheap endeavor. Exactly. How do you think he's doing it? He has teams of people. So then we find out that Elmira tells a story of her husband. Uh, basically, the reason why she even found Aerith and her mom in the first place is because her husband... She got a letter saying her husband is supposed to be coming home soon. This would have been during the war with Wutai that they keep referencing. Yes. And her husband was on the front lines or something, and he was coming back for, for leave, which, I mean, yeah, that's a typical thing that happens in war. A bunch of people came back, but he wasn't there. And every day she went to the train station to see, well, maybe this will be his day. Maybe it just got delayed or something. And then one day she found Aerith's mom and Aerith. And her mom essentially says, keep her safe. 
you know, find her somewhere safe. And she does that because her husband's gone and she's kind of lonely at the moment, I guess. Well, she even specifically says that that's exactly what it was. Is it was just her, her husband, you know, she had started to realize that her husband probably wasn't coming, even though she didn't want to give up yet. And she had nobody else. And so she, she decided to take Aerith in, which I have to say, awkward conversation if her husband did come home. <laughs> Hi, we have a kid now. <laughs> like, uh, what? What do you mean? Where did this child come from? I feel like that would be a pretty awkward conversation, but good news, it doesn't even matter because he <laughs> dies. Good news, yes. And er- the, the weird part about that, which, I mean, this is all stuff that I think we talked about even in the original game because this is all pretty much a cut and paste, but Aerith knew when her husband died and came and told her, and that was the first time she found out before she even got a letter about it. Again, still think that's weird. I mean, I guess if I was taking care of a child and they immediately just said, hey, someone close to you has re- has died, and then like two days later, I get a message saying my wife is dead, Some real I would be stuff. like, okay. This is weird. Again, they're living in Final Fantasy world where people have magic power, so I guess it's not that big of a deal. Like, materia is a thing. Still, that's definitely odd. But I guess it doesn't matter because at that point, I think it. I think she had spent like six months or maybe a year or a couple years with her, maybe? Yeah, it was, it was enough time that they were comfortable around each other, so. Although I kind of feel like even for, even for a deployment, that seems like a really, really long time. Yeah, but I mean, it's Shinra and they're terrible and didn't let him come home, presumably. Which meant he was apparently a, a real stand up guy. You know, he must have been really good at his job. Just like Jesse's dad. Yeah. Except she's not living on the plate. So, although she lives in this like abundant ultimate flower garden. I'm, I mean, I'm pretty sure the implication there is that Aerith did all that. Yes. I, so at that I point, she didn't that. live in this abundant flower garden, is what I'm saying. But she does now. Yeah. And Aerith, you know, is now gone and the flowers didn't immediately die. So, <laughs> well, it's not like Aerith is dead. Just because. Okay. So what you're saying is when Aerith dies, because nothing in this game is ever going to change, thanks to these whole things. When Aerith dies. Well, you're the one who was like, she left and she immediately. And the flowers didn't immediately disappear. Like, what were you expecting? (laughs) I was expecting a Harry Potter's mom moment. And suddenly the fish turns into death or something. I don't know. (laughs) What? I don't know, man. I was expecting the magic. You're talking about how she's magic and it's her. She's the reason the flowers exist or something like that. Which, okay. So now we get, let's, let's real quick. I have a whole lot of questions about Aerith, and, and I could sit here all day talking about them. But we got to continue, Andrew, because at this point, now... I actually know, though, that I do have a question that I do kind of want to address before we move on. And So if Aerith has communications connection with like the live stream or whatever, because that seems to be what she does as an ancient, but not flowers, right? Because she tries to talk to flowers, and it's like, no, of course they can't talk to me and stuff. And it's like... Like, was she lying? Could Were they actually talking to her and she would just didn't want to make... Kind of feels like she was lying, man. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, and she just didn't want to make Cloud feel feel weird at that point, or... I, I, I think the implication is that she was talking to the planet and not the flowers. Well, yeah, but like, through it, right, because everything's connected under this 
cosmology, if you will, of, you know, everything is just like an extension of the planet via the live stream. So, oh, the other thing I guess I did want to mention, and I don't know if we mentioned this kind of before, but my wife kind of has a theory that something is going on with Marlene that is. Yeah, I think we did mention it a bit more. But yeah, I I know what you're talking about when when Aerith goes to uh, help her. It just seems like there's something else going on there that maybe we're not told about. And I think we had kind of alluded to potential maybe Barrett is her adoptive father or something. But it definitely seems like something else is going on with her that isn't quite. See, I thought it was just more Aerith being Aerith, but maybe that is true. I don't know. So anyway. Now that they've sunk up and now that they've talked to one another, we are going back. Actually, I don't think he even has an opportunity to talk to her because I don't think she wakes up during this. I think he just stays with her. Yeah. And then we decide to go back to the Sector 7 wreckage to determine if there's any survivors and if there's anything we can do. So we find ourselves going back and then we have to go through the tunnels that we didn't go through before. Again, I know we talked about this a little bit last week and even a little bit earlier in this episode, but this part of the game has really, I think, addressed a lot of like your earlier criticisms with Barrett and stuff in terms of like, like you know, we're getting to see him be compassionate and stuff like that. Not my criticisms, I want to say. Well, no, no, I'm talking internet as a whole. I wasn't talking about that. I was talking about like earlier stuff about how you know Barrett just like is just. You know, doesn't care if people survive or things like that. Like if people people get killed, things like 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 this is him actually caring. Yeah, like it it it, it lets you see like this other side of him that he has been intentionally avoiding showing people, or at least avoiding showing Cloud and by extension us. Mm-hmm. And this is another part that is you know, basically didn't exist in the original game at all, and I think is a very this is up there with the aftermath of the original bombing in terms of like adding a new section that I thought was really really good. I, I, I totally agree. I was really happy to go back and see, and specifically because you find out that, hey, you see Wedge. Which was a weird fake out, to be clear, because we just seen this thing where the ghost things were like making him die, but he's not actually dead. And It was very clear that he was dead. But somehow, apparently, instead of that, giant debris killing him it knocked him into some underground facility yeah i'm guessing i guess like the the f- ground around him collapsed when it fell and he fell in or something i think the implication is because we never went back in the original we never knew that he was down there and and so he just died down there when you eventually catch up to him a bunch of these creatures come out and immediately start attacking you and barrett throws him out of the way. So I think the implication is that he would have died down there if, if not you for us. specifically didn't go back to save him. Yeah. But for whatever reason, the mysterious ghost things, whatever they are, doesn't stop you from saving him this time. Which is, I mean, yeah. So this kind of goes back to where some of the issues with the ghost things, which is, and, and, and maybe there is something else going on just because that does feel so weird. And like they're, it feels like they only show up when it's convenient. Well, and, and not just that, but like, so if these ghosts are, and I think I mentioned before that maybe they're part of like the planet's defense network or something. Cause we already know in, from the original game that like they have the weapons and stuff. So they have, the planet has things it can do. 
but this makes the planet take like a much more active role and also kind of makes the planet feel not good because like so is the planet saying that everybody in sector seven had to die I don't know, maybe Shinra had the right idea all along and screw the planet, we need to kill it, because look at this, it just murdered That's all these people. That's assuming that this is a part of the planet. Right. Uh, just going off the theories we've talked about before, but if not, like the, that sort of thing, either either they're kind of taking it in a different direction of, okay, this is bad, um, which is interesting, or maybe we're on the wrong track. Because Again, with say with the Wedge thing of, you know... But that's what I'm saying is, in general... I just don't see how them being a part of the planet makes any sense at all. Why would the planet just suddenly go around murdering people? Because stopping you from saving Sector 7 is straight up just allowing a ton of people to potentially die. Now, in 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 this game, this time it seems like there was actually an a- evacuation effort where they said, hey, just in case this thing comes down, you all have to leave now. It was very pronounced this time that they were... They were forcing everyone to evacuate just in case it still happened, which wasn't really covered at all before. I feel like this is one of those things that probably was meant to always have happened and just didn't. Because, Although, again, then otherwise it comes back to, well, why would that, you know, if we're evacuating everybody, what does it even wind up mattering that the plate came down? Like, why is that the thing that has to go this way rather than, you know, if all the people are allowed to get out, then... Why does it matter whether the plate falls one way or another? You know what I mean? Like, I guess I just don't understand but that. The, and then by that question, why did Jesse, Wedge, and Biggs have to die? Right. So are the, the three of them dying more important than literally everyone else in the sector? Because that feels weird. Exactly. And that's why none of this, these whole figure things just don't make any sense to me at all. And it's incredibly confusing to me what their rules actually are. It, it almost just seems like it's just, oh, well, it's convenient for them to show up at this time because we wanted to hint at making a change, but they can't allow it to happen. Okay, well, we never went back in the first place in the original game, so why do they let us do it this time? Yeah, all of it They're is just, just so. Why would they even let us go back? But I don't know. It, it, it seems there's an awful lot of questions I have about them that just aren't getting answered. Yeah. I the more I play, the more I just become frustrated with their existence. Yeah. And I'm sure being frustrated at their existence is kind of the point, but that doesn't mean I you can be frustrated about something and still think, you know, this is actually good, whereas I don't think the ghosts are good. I think the, the mysterious figures are uh, are bad <laughs> in general, like as a concept. I don't disagree with you. I think it was a really poor choice to include them. Yeah. Because it just doesn't So far, I haven't gotten any information to justify their existence, and no matter what the justification is, I I don't even know if it's going to be enough. I don't know what they would have to be for me to actually care about their existence, because right now, I am just so frustrated with them and the fact that they're even in the game that... Because here's the thing. If they want to talk about, oh, well, we didn't change this, we didn't change that. Well, there's one major gigantic change that you did make. The existence of these mysterious figures that weren't there before. That's kind of a huge change. If you're if you're constantly hitting us over the head with, we could have changed this, but didn't. But then at the same time, making a change? How does that not invalidate their entire existence? And it just irks me to the point of, 
why are they here? What purpose are they even serving? They don't make any sense at all. Yeah, no, I feel you. But moving forward onto happier topics, because we are now in that lower section where Wedge's cat leads us to him. Which, you know, cool. That's one awesome calico. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was a calico. I didn't even register that. <laughs> I don't I don't know my cat breeds like at all, but I do know calico. And yeah, I mean, I don't think calico is really a breed. I think it's just a, a style. Color. Yeah, yeah. A, a, a pattern, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Right before you are about to determine if Wedge is alive or not, you, in typical fashion, oh, you fall through the floor or something. And so you get all, everybody gets separated again. And you play as Barrett for a little while. You do. And I actually, I had a lot of fun during this section. Yeah. Here's the thing. I started using Barrett a lot more after this. Because I always thought that just shooting guns, I'm like, I, I always kind of just thought that he was just useless because his guns never did a lot of damage. There really wasn't a whole lot going on. And I never really thought he was that great. I barreled through this entire section because I started using Maximum Fury. Yes. And I just destroyed everything. I was about to say. I, I, I don't disagree with you in the early game that it doesn't feel like he's got a lot to bring to the table other than hitting flying things, but a couple of his later weapon skills are phenomenal. And yeah, Maximum Fury is just like, oh, well, I'm just going to completely stun lock this enemy and just destroy their health bar. I'm like, yes. <laughs> I will say going forward, they keep giving you items that make him a physical character, and it's so frustrating. Why did you do that? I... Oh yeah, the next really couple weapons don't that, care for any of the weapons that hit, turn him into a physical. Into a melee, yeah, no, me either. I, they were right up there with the nail bat of I literally used you long enough to get your ability, and I'm immediately gone. I didn't even get Wrecking Ball's ability. I didn't even bother. I'm like, I'm, I don't want it. No matter what it is, I don't care what it is. Oh, because actually, I'm never going to use it. It was actually a pretty good one. Oh really? Yeah, it. He like does a ground pound and sends all the enemies flying up in the air. That's interesting, but I hate flight. I I hate flying stuff. Well, it's not even that. It's just like it just knocks them up so that like they can't do anything, and it gives you an opening to like it interrupts everybody and gives you an opening to attack them. Nothing in this game annoys me more than when you have to fight a flying enemy and you don't have bear. Yes. Oh my god. One of the things about the changes of this game, like, I get that, you know, they were modernizing the combat. Like I said, it's got a very Kingdom Hearts, Final Fantasy 15 feel to it. But like, I know I complained about it before with one of the bosses that was flying that you had to do with just Tifa and Cloud and stuff. But the mechanics feel so hit or miss for flying things. It, it gives me flashbacks to, like, the most frustrating parts of The Witcher and trying to deal with flying enemies and that, where it's just your options don't feel... Without Barrett, it doesn't feel like anybody's really meant for this. Maybe Aerith a little bit because she has the homing magic. I, Andrew, I I cannot get used to Aerith's character. And outside of using her special abilities, I don't use her at all unless I unless it is an absolute necessity because her attacks do so little damage and have so little impact on anything. Maybe I'm just doing something wrong. Maybe I'm not leveling up the right skills or something. Maybe she's supposed to be nothing but magic. Well, it, it I actually, don't know. The thing about Aerith is her attack actually counts as a magic attack. 
So like enemies that have really strong physical defense, she does really well on like those ones that will put up a barrier until you hit them with magic. Her attack counts as magic. But that's fine. The problem is my regular magic does so much more damage than she does anyway that why wouldn't I just use that? Okay, but it's a magic you have access to that doesn't cost any MP and doesn't cost, you know, an AP bar. That's fair. That that's it, it's that's fair. The only thing I would say is it comes up so rarely that it doesn't even really matter that. Much. But also, it's just that like I'm pretty sure if you give her gear that raises her physical stuff, it doesn't actually make her any better. But if you give her stuff that raises her magic attack, it raises both her magic and the uh, uh, even her regular attack and stuff. Unlike everybody else, I mean, it, it's very possible that I am just playing her wrong. That was how I understood it based on like what I was reading and the way she works. I will agree that I still probably used her the least in terms of her playstyle felt the weirdest and the one I was the least into of the four of them, but I, I I definitely found places where she was very helpful. And see, for me, I never really did at all. I never really found sections for her that were helpful. Every single time I like Cloud died and I was forced to play as her for the brief second before I could bring him back to life, it was just annoying. Because I just, it's probably on me because I just don't understand how her character works, but it just seems like she doesn't fit to my playstyle at all and the playstyle of pretty much anyone else. I, as the game went on, I got a lot more um, aggressive about not just being Cloud and like switching to the other characters because I started to get into that habit when I decided I was going to try to get everybody's weapon skills. And because when you switch to them, whoever you're controlling, their AP bar fills so much faster than everybody else's. Yes, I mentioned that a, a long time ago. Right, right, right. No, I know. But so I started doing that regularly so that everybody would have bars ready to go in case I needed them. And I, I started to do the exact same thing, but that doesn't make Aerith was the very last person I would ever do that with. So I just I, I would go to great lengths to not ever have to play as her because I disliked her play style so much personally. But yes, I mean, I don't disagree that she's very different and is kind of the black sheep of the group in the terms of like, she feels very different from everybody else, even even more than Barrett does. I don't disagree with you at all. But so we get down there into this facility and we kind of make our way through it as Barrett. And we have to kill these these giant bee things. Yeah, some some like clear Shinra experiment stuff going on of, uh, you know, changing, doing something to, did they call the monsters fiends? I swear they did at one point. I want to say that they did too. Because that immediately made me jump back to the Final Fantasy X theory, because like nothing, none of the other games ever used the term fiends, and so it immediately stood out to me. I know that they did at one point. I don't know when, and I don't remember where, but I know at one point I heard them say fiends, and I'm like, what? what? Yeah, because everything else just calls them like monsters and stuff, like all the even all the other Final Fantasies. So I was immediately like, really? But anyway, but yeah, Shinra was doing something to the monster fiend enemies, whatever. We kind of blow through them, we blow through that section, and we get, for, for a while, it's just Tifa and Barrett. Yeah, it's just Barrett by himself, and then you get back Tifa. You don't get Cloud until the very end of the section, because like you have to get through the boss fight, and then he finally shows up. That's right. You, you We make our way back to Wedge. Tifa determines that he is alive, and then these Spider-Man-looking things come out. Every single thing about these things was like, well, this is Venom. Yes. This is clearly a Spider-Man villain thing. Simply, yeah, like a symbiote thing. Which, <laughs> yeah. given 
what you know Genova is based on the original game, that's interesting because that's basically what she is—a symbiote from space. Yes, from uh, a parasite symbiote thing. Yeah. So was this something they were doing with like Genova and people? Well, they were kind of already doing that anyway because well, yeah, because the soldiers are built out of that. But like, was this experiments of trying to take that further? It's possible, and we'll get into that in a Cause, second. Because I know but... that's that's part of how soldiers get as strong as they are. They get Mako infusion, and they also get like bonded with some Genova cells. Which is how Sethroth is able to essentially control basically anyone in Soldier. Right. Through that shared bonding that they have. How did you do with the boss fight? It was a tough one, uh, I thought. But, I, I, I mean, I got through it. was really confusing at first because I didn't quite understand what it was I was supposed to be doing for part of the fight. Yeah, I couldn't figure that out either because at one point Barrett says, Hey, go up there and shut the thing. But and there's so- nothing to do. There wasn't. Yeah. So Tifa is just up there on this platform, and all I did was run around as her for a while, like, what am I supposed to be doing? So I just started shooting spells, taking ether, and then shooting more spells, because I just what was great about that is the AI does a phenomenal job of blocking and everything like that that I just can't do normally. Yeah, I got Because a- it almost seems like when the AI is attacking, they're just... They attack and then they immediately go into block. And so they, it, it's like the computer is just playing against itself and it knows what to do. And it knows when they're going to attack, when they're not going to attack. It just seems like the, the computer, for obvious reasons, just knows a lot more about what's going on in general. They're very good at, t- they may not be as effective offensively, but they're much better defensively than you are. I just went to Tifa and I started using spells because nothing could attack Tifa. I actually just switched Every- back to Barrett and just fought as it. No, I didn't. I was Tifa the whole time. Maybe that's why the boss fight was way easier for me. I stayed as Tifa, and occasionally Tifa would have to fight some things up there, but I would just cast spells constantly. I was just spell after spell after spell, ether, spell after spell after spell, and then eventually once he got down to like half health or a quarter health or something, then he knocked down the platform, and then it was Tifa and Barrett again. And then I still stayed as Tifa. I occasionally switched over to Barrett whenever... I needed to do like magic or maximum fury or something. But for the most part, I was just only Tifa at that point because even because Tifa Tifa is a beast. I man. really liked playing as Tifa. Like I said I, before, I think she's been my favorite of the characters to play as just in terms of like how she feels to play. Tifa is an absolute beast and she wrecks everything, especially if you use her power up skill to get her up to maximum power. And then she's just like dominating. Well, then there's that, and then there's Star Shower. Oh, yeah. Star Shower is, like, the greatest thing that's ever existed. That skill is so awesome and cool-looking. It's basically... A mini limit break. It it really is. It really is, like, a mini limit break. And if you give a power-up on her and then use it, it's just insane. Since you only get two limit breaks per character, some of the things that were limit breaks in the original game are just regular abilities that you get off the weapons now. Oh, really? Because I didn't, I wouldn't have known that. Braver, I think, is, is, what was the name of Cloud's first limit break? I think it was Braver. Okay. His other ability, the one he starts with, was a limit break in the first game. Cross Slash? Yes. That was his second limit break in the first, in the original game. Oh. I, I think Maximum Fury is one of Barrett's limit breaks, too. Maximum Fury is so good. Oh, yeah. And, and I, but I noticed that there was a couple, well, because Tifa's limit break in the original game, got wild because unlike everybody else, she just kept adding to her limit break as you went. 
Oh, because she had the slots. Right. And eventually, if you got all of her limit breaks, every character had seven limit breaks in the game. But with Tifa, as you kept moving her to the new ones, she got all the old ones. So eventually she would just have a seven real slot and that would be her limit break attack. That's nuts. Well, I will say dolphin splash or dolphin whatever kick. it is. Yeah. You don't have it yet because you can't get it until you go back. That That's a chapter 14 thing. Oh, whoa. That is so good. I almost want to say it's better than Ascension. It is just nuts the amount of damage that thing does. Well, and that was part of what made Tifa's limit break so cool is because since she got multiple attacks like that, she could break the damage limit because just like most Final Fantasies, you can only do 9999 in one hit, but each of her slots was a separate hit. Oh, okay. So she was one of the that was she was one of the characters that you can she was in my party through the end of the game once I eventually got everybody because I, that, those were the people I settled on were the people who c- could do multiple hits so they could get above the damage limit. For me, it didn't really matter who did the most damage. It was who I liked the most. Well, I mean, it worked out for, that for I really liked her any too. game. And it just almost always works out that the people I like the most are the people that I use the most. Like I'm probably for me for the rest of this game, I'm probably going to settle on Cloud, Barrett and Tifa. Assuming I have a choice. I was about to say, I mean, for the rest of the game, I don't know who else you'd be using. Well, you, presumably you get Aerith back. Well, yeah, but like that's going to be the end of the game. Because like going to the Shinra Presumably you're going to get Red 13. Yeah, that's true. Red, Red would be the would be the other big one. Cause, but like, yeah, we'll get Aerith back, but that's basically the end of the game. Because assuming that it ends at the Shinra building like we've expected. You've expected. I, I still say that doesn't. Given the amount that they've extended it and the chapters, I just don't see how they're going to end it like that. Yeah, I mean, I've I've just been expecting it's going to end basically at the same spot of, okay, so it won't end right at the building. It'll end after the escape, I guess is what I'd expect. Unless they, they split up the boss fight gauntlet at the end of the game into multiple chapters, I just don't see how we're going to get there and not have more chapters after that. Yeah, I don't know. But anyway, <laughs> but after you get through the boss fights and everything like that, you you go back and you 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 talk to Wedge and he he doesn't whoa, whoa, whoa. No. say anything. Not yet. What do you mean not yet? We don't talk to Wedge until after we leave, do we? Well, you can't even talk to Wedge because Barrett lifts him up. But right. after the boss fight, the the boss so Cloud comes in and that that part was so unbelievably cheesy and so annoying to me that Cloud gets the final hit on this boss when it's like. Tifa and Barrett just definitely destroyed it. And then the the it's one of those things that typically happens in movies. It's like, oh no, what are we going to do? We can't do the final hit. And then Cloud shows up. And I will say, I mean, it was cool that Cloud suddenly showed up and that's how he gets back. But it almost feels like that takes away from the accomplishment of Tifa and Barrett. Taking away from the accomplishments of the character seems like a theme in our criticism of this game. <laughs> Just like all the things Sethiroth accomplishes that you give credit to Shinra for. No, I didn't say that. Yeah, Shinra sucks. It's okay. Sethiroth's the way cooler villain. But, but you know, that, that aside, that wonderful uh, revelation, <laughs> Cloud gets the final hit and it puts a crack in the wall. So you're right. We haven't talked to, we haven't talked to Wedge yet, but we don't talk to him at all. Because right. Well, yeah, I just didn't want to skip over this part because I wanted to talk about this a little bit. So, oh, well, go for it. So you break through this crack in the wall uh, as Barrett, because that's a whole thing where Barrett can shoot down walls, which is really weird because it only exists in this one section. 
unless it's going to become a thing going forward, I guess. But this is a real. It's, it's like a Pokemon skill. You have to switch to him to cut all the trees down. Barrett has basically just become a useful Pokemon. <laughs> the one that just sits in your party that just knows all the HMs and you never actually fight with him. Yeah, and he just he only exists to break down walls every once in a while. Eventually, later, there's going to be something where you need, I don't know. Got to move a boulder out of the way, and he just is going to shove himself against it. Yeah. I mean, the, the dude is clearly like a behemoth. Oh, yeah. He's, he's just huge. pure muscle. Yeah, he's he's huge. And I mean, we were talking about how much bigger Cloud is than Biggs. Barrett makes everyone look weak. Oh, yeah. Dude looks like he's it's eight insane. feet tall and just like a brick wall, like built of solid like stone. He's in, he, It's absurd. Yeah, Barrett is just, if you look at him next to Tifa, he is just humongous. It's it's basically like a giant, he's like the Hulk. He really is he re- the yeah, Hulk. I, I didn't think about that, but yeah, he really does. He looks like the Hulk, like in terms of his build. Or like when he picks up Marlene sometimes when he's like playing with her, and then she like sits on his shoulder and it... Like, she's, like, the size of just his head. I mean, granted, she, Marlene... Dude, she is the size of, like, a single bicep. Yeah. It is absurd how big Barrett is. He he is the Hulk with a gun. Yeah. He's the Hulk with the ability to shoot bullets. And he cracks jokes all the time, so he basically is the Hulk. So I don't understand why people don't like him. It is really weird, though, when you think about it, that the guy who's the enormous, massive guy with, like, just, like, a slab of pure muscle... Is the only one who doesn't have like any melee combat except for the times that they added it to him. But like, it's just kind of hilarious that they made that the ranged combat guy. But why wouldn't you? Because he would be incredibly slow. And when you get, when they give him melee attacks later, yeah, he's just as expected, he is incredibly slow. And one thing I actually did find as an interesting detail, and I don't know if it's based on the character, just specifically as like an inherent thing. Or if it's based on the stats, like if, if you could find a way to give Barrett more speed, would he be a little better? But trying pushing dodge with the different characters and seeing their different animations and how much they actually dodge, like trying to dodge as Barrett, you're you're not going to. He he barely can move. Yeah. Whereas like Tifa does this like cool backflip and is like halfway across the fight. Oh yeah. Tifa's that, speed is just insane. And, and that's what I guess what I'm wondering is like, if you somehow could raise Barrett's speed, would his dodge get better? Or is that just, I mean, it would never be great, but, or like, is it just this one thing and that's all, he just is always. And I don't think dark. he even has the option to raise his speed, does he? I don't, I, I, I don't know. I mean, like as he levels up, I assume it's gone up a little bit, but I haven't paid attention. But regardless, I just thought that was a really cool detail because Cloud does like a pretty typical game like role or whatever and i mean it, it, it gets the job done although i try not to use it too much because it knocks you out of the the cool mode except i do want to point out the reason that flying up in the air is hit or miss when you are in punisher mode he won't automatically fly up in the air when you are in operator mode is when as soon as you attack he flies up and hits a flying enemy as long as you are in the mobile mode and you attack he will jump up in the air and attack them every single time without fail. See, I, I still didn't feel like it was every time. It was definitely more reliable, but I still felt like it well, didn't happen nearly as often as it should have to me. For me, it happened every single time. There wasn't an instance where there was a flying enemy where he didn't jump up and attack if he was within range. Um, as opposed to like Tifa, who would always get... We're not always. Even with Tifa, I felt like I had problems. Maybe it's just a matter of the particular attack you're doing. I don't know. I never figured it out exactly, but... I, I, for me, it was not an issue at all. 
I didn't. That being said, I don't like melee against flying enemies because unlike Kingdom Hearts, you can't use skills or anything like that in the air. I mean, flying enemies work a lot better in things like Kingdom Hearts because you have so much more mobility where it never feels like you're stuck. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I can make this gigantic double jump and just fly, float around or whatever. Like you have getting to things that are high in the air and it is never nearly as much of a challenge as, well, I hope, you know, the character is going to do the thing I want them to do in this. And unless you're using Tifa, in which case you can just do an uppercut. She flies up in the air and then you can immediately tack the enemy in the air. Yeah. Like there, there's Tifa. There's ways where you can basically force her to do whatever you want. Cloud. I, I, I don't, I did not have nearly the issues you did. Maybe you just had trouble judging what was within distance or not. Maybe that is what it is because when they're flying, it can be hard to tell exactly where you are in relation to them, or at least I thought so. But every single time that they were in range, well, that's why you lock on. Right. But every single time that they were in range, and I hit the attack button, he'd fly up and immediately attack them. Now, sometimes I get knocked back down because of their skill or whatever that they have at the moment. But I really didn't have any issues with that. That being said, I didn't like f- uh, flying combat without Barrett. period. But Whether it worked or not, I still didn't like the way it worked just because you couldn't use skills on yeah. things that were flying. And having the ability to do like maximum fury, it is basically the only thing I used for 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 this entire section and i really don't think it's going to be something i get rid of through the end of the game because oh yeah, maximum, maximum fury, fury is amazing is so awesome oh yeah that game or that that skill is phenomenal What's, what i like even more is you can use it with one bar or two a lot of bear's skills are like that if you can use well i haven't noticed that because like his very first skill uh, barrage, not barrage, because um, barrage is just his triangle, I think, right? But his very first skill he had was the same way, where you could use it at one bar or two, and it would just be more powerful if you used it with two. Overcharge was his triangle skill. Oh, then yeah, whatever it was, it whatever his regular skill was that he started with was the same way, because I, I distinctly remember that being, oh, that's neat. I probably didn't notice it because I didn't use him until the second half of the game, until the section where I was forced to use him. And then I realized how awesome he was. I knew how awesome Tifa was for a while, but I really didn't use Barrett until the section where I was forced to, unless I was leveling up his, his getting his weapon skills and everything. But Barrett was just so much better of a fighter than I thought he was, especially when you add elemental attacks to his gun. Yes. He is just a beast. Of all the characters, he is the one who I never once took off his elemental link, and especially I had it with electricity because a lot of the things that you fight in the Barrett sections are like Shindra machines and stuff, and he does so much damage when you give him that, the the lightning elemental ability. I don't think I've ever taken elemental lightning off of him. I I don't think I've had him on any other element. For, for, For a while, I'm hoping, I mean, Barrett is in your party until you get Aerith back, so... I don't see, at least he was in the original game, assuming that's the same thing that happens here, unless we get Wedge and he becomes a party member, I guess. I, I mean, as, as far as that part of it has gone, the game has stuck pretty close to, oh yeah, this is who you get because that's who you had in this section. Like The Midgar section in the original was really was weird compared to the rest of the game in that you didn't get to make party composition choices, but 
so by extension, the entire game has been that way here because you just get whoever happens to be with you at this moment. Yeah. Because like I was saying before, when we did the original game, pretty much as soon as you got to the first town afterwards, you immediately get the ability to just switch your party whenever, like just a, no- a normal party select screen. Once you got Aerith back, you could do that here too for like one brief section. Because for, for like a brief section in, in the original, when you had Aerith, Barrett, Tifa, Cloud, and Red 13, you could, could specifically choose which one you wanted. It was incredibly small because then you immediately went into siloed after that. But there was a very, very short section where you could choose your party. I must not have remembered that because I probably didn't even realize it happened and just kept going with whoever they gave me. Because I, I really distinctly remember that because I remember choosing Cloud, Barrett, and Tifa and specifically not using Red and and, and Aerith. No, it's in, in one of the sections in the original game, you get to choose who splits off because they say even in the i don't know maybe i'm wrong right, maybe well, i'm thinking of the very end of the game where you choose right i i, I remember together yeah i remember you get to choose at the very end like after you leave midgar who goes with cloud and who goes in a separate group but that's the only time i distinctly remember you getting that choice but i could just be misremembering no i i it's probably me misremembering it that's more likely than my memory isn't great so Anyway, to get back to what I was originally going to say like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> so you blow through the hole in the wall that or the, the crack in the wall and make it into a whole hole. And then you get to see some more Shinra stuff. I, I want to ask you first, what did you think was going on here? Like, what, what did you take from this section when you see there's a bunch of uh, stuff in tubes that look kind of like people? I mean, based off of everything that we've talked about, clones. Whatever those Marcus people are, the the Sephiroth things. I didn't know that they were specifically Sephiroth. Well, they're not specifically Sephiroth clones, but they're like, well, um, that's yeah, they kind of are. They're like failed Sephiroth clone sort of things. Yeah, it's 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 weird. So I mean, that's what I immediately thought is our previous conversations where you were talking about Sephiroth clones, regular clones. Here's where I'm gonna go and say something that feels like it might, might be a little out of left field, but this is like when you were talking about the thing that I got really excited that I wanted to talk about. This is what that was because this is where my brain went. So when they were talking about it, Cloud says something about how this looks like what they do to people to make them soldiers, right? Uh, putting them in makeup and stuff. But when they were flashing to the different things in the different containers, and maybe this was just my brain over extrapolating, but it seemed an awful lot like they focused on very specific, like, sections of people like on one of them it focused on the hands on another person it gave a a big shot of like the shoulder and upper bicep area and in one that like it felt like it was trying to be a an intentional parallel to Aerith or to tifa barrett and cloud to me what and given that we're talking about like cycles and looms or alternate universe or whatever this case is about trying to make things go the right way or whatever where am i especially because immediately after you see this those ghosts freak out like really badly and like a massive tidal wave of them shoves everybody out of here. Like, Oh no, 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 no. You can't see this. No, 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 no. But I was starting to wonder if this was supposed to be like a previous cycle or alternate universe version of like the three party members from a time when they had tried to attack Shinra and failed and Shinra was doing, had somehow gotten a hold of them. I think personally, this is just your brain wanting Shinra to be so much more 
No, it's not even the, the Shinra part. It specifically Insane. was the way they reacted, like the way the ghosts showed up and like super reacted is what got me thinking about that. Because I'm like, why would they care so much? There's got to be something going on here. It's for the same reason why the ghosts... It, it, I, I think it's for the same reason why the game in general, every single time something is about to happen to Cloud that isn't supposed to happen, they show up. I think they freak out because he's not supposed to know that he's a Sethroth clone this whole time. He's not supposed to have that information yet. And I think that's the issue here is once he realizes that he was one of those clones at one point, I think that's what the problem is, is that he's even seeing them in as clones in test tubes. At least that's where I that's what I got from it. I mean, maybe Cloud is not supposed to have this information yet because he's not even supposed to be here. And maybe so. And like I said, I openly admit that I was kind of going off on like uh, I, I, I would say almost a criticism of, you know, the I'm going to try to come up with something completely ridiculous as a joke. But whoa, I whoa, swear whoa, I really whoa, had whoa, that. Whoa, wait a minute. I don't know what you're talking about, Andrew. Everything I have ever said on this podcast is 100% true. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. How could I ever doubt the uh, uh, Calmlands Grand Prix? Andrew, you don't know what 10-3 is. There's no way for us to know because they were planning on it and they never did it. And it's Riku, and there was definitely a Grand Prix. Just because it didn't happen in 10-2, they definitely l- sowed the seeds for it to happen. Well, th- now, maybe this is 10-3 since they, you know, are talking about fiends, and we know that all that whole thing. There you go. How dare you? 10-3 was all about Riku, Andrew. Riku does not show up once in this game. <laughs> She's long dead if she is in this universe. Unless Riku is reincarnated Sethoroth. Or Riku it's was Aerith's mother because she was an she was an ancient. It would probably make more sense for Yuna to be the mom, but yeah, I, I do think that would be a little bit. But that what could be interesting though is if the ancients were the the civilization that you play as in ten, though. Yeah, obviously it would be so far apart because if it's gotten to the point where everybody's kind of forgotten about them or whatever. It couldn't be anybody that we knew or whatever, but I, I, that could be the case. I mean, we've already oh, had it's those conversations. Definitely Yuna or Riku. Oh, okay. Probably Yuna then. Yeah, you know, Yuna Leska or whatever is named after something and dead people. When that old guy shows up, <laughs> we'll know for sure. When Maclin shows up in this game, <laughs> Macklin or whatever his name He's is. He's just going to give us a tour of Shinra HQ. Yeah. I was around when they built this and I was around with little Shinra himself created the Shinra Power Company and okay guy Uh, i would actually love to see that that would be amazing i would take back every criticism about this game if they just straight up did that (laughs) that's well yeah because that ties 10 with with uh with final fantasy 7 and and no matter what they do at that point the universe is now tied into one of the greatest final fantasies that has ever existed exactly so because of that both games suddenly shoot up into the top of the list yeah and, and really, Sethroth is basically just Sin reincarnated, and he's just, you know, he's trying to destroy everything. He's been trying to destroy everything for years. <gasps> well, well, maybe Andrew. he's not Sin, maybe he's Yevon, because, like, Yevon basically had the same thing of, you know, I just refuse to move on or whatever, right? And so I'm just yes. going to keep doing this. Sephiroth is Yevon. Sethroth is Yevon, and Yevon is summoned Genova or whatever, 
and mother, whoever. <laughs> I don't know. Genova, yeah. But yeah, no, I that is an interesting theory. And I guess if they ever confirm that there are multiple universes or something like that, it might be something that is... I also wasn't super paying attention to that section. I just thought they were... It was just a close-up in general of, hey, there are people in here. And, and I wasn't putting maybe it was like I said to the party. Members. I might just be taking it too far. I don't know. It, that, I Sometimes your brain just goes off in wild tangents. And I felt like I had to share that one that, but that was why I had gotten all excited. Here's the thing, Andrew. I like where you're going. I like what you're doing here. You're picking up you know? what I'm putting down. Yeah, there's normally that's something in my realm, but Hey, you know, we don't know, Andrew. We just don't know. We don't know enough about these mysterious figures or what they're doing or what their purpose is or anything like that. We just don't have the information. These could be how Shinra would have got a hold of them. I don't know, but who knows, man, wouldn't Shinra have immediately known to like, look for the guy with a gun for an arm before that though. They're like, Hey, this was a previous Shinra destroyer or something, or they might not know. It's an interesting theory. They would not necessarily know what they were about or whatever, but they could have just been something they found. Because if we're operating under the assumption that things have to go the way they've always gone, that would imply that there's some sort of cycle, right? Yeah, whether it's this, whether it's this planet or, or another or, or planet, alternate or universe or whatever else. Like, but at some point, you know, again, if assuming we're wrong, if if we happen to be wrong about what the the whatever these ghosts, uh, mysterious entities are. You know, if we happen to be wrong about that, then, you know, this entire theory is completely useless and I am just making even more of a fool of myself. But that was it. It was like I was just trying to sit there and figure out, like, why did they care so much that, no, you guys can't be here. No, (laughs) because they don't care about they didn't care about the fact that we went back to go save Wedge or whatever. That was apparently okay. But this, whoa, whoa. Well, I think part of it for me is just what I got out of it was. Cloud is not supposed to know this part of his backstory yet. And that's why I think that was more important to them than whatever was going on with Wedge. And, you know, what you're saying is a lot more reasonable, therefore probably correct. But I like to believe that mine is right because it's just because. And and I'd like to point out the fact that in a second ago, you said something about how this is ridiculous and your brain's insane. Yeah. Is that what you're trying to tell me about my Grand Prix theory, Andrew? Because I, you know... <laughs> I kind of take issue with that. I don't know what you're trying to say here, but what I do know is that I don't like it. (laughs) That I know for sure. Okay. Well, anyway, now we can get back to what you were going to say of, yeah, we go at this point after we do that, we all get thrown out, uh, forcibly thrown out of this underground lab and redeposited outside with Wedge. I want to say we basically just fast forwarded after you, because Barrett kind of picks him up, and after you get a certain distance out of the area, it just immediately jumps back to the house. Yeah. yeah, you just teleport back to the house, essentially. Which is good because you walk so slowly because it's one of those things of like Barrett's moving really slow and holding wedge and stuff. So I'm glad they didn't make us walk all the way, but yeah, that would have been miserable. But I would have enjoyed seeing Tifa carry that cat the whole way. That was so cute. Tifa walking along with that little cat, just meow, meow. I was like, I want more of this. Can I and- have an entire section of this game <laughs> where Tifa just carries it? I want that cat to stay with Tifa for the rest of this game and just like chill out on her shoulder 
and just it could be become part of the attacks or something. I don't know. I just want to see T- Tifa carrying this ridiculously cute cat because that whole picture is just ridiculously cute. It it wouldn't be the first time. I mean, um, one of the main characters in Final Fantasy VIII uses a dog in her attacks. Her limit breaks involve her summoning her dog. Well, here we go. Square Enix next game. You know, if you don't have Tifa with the cat this time. It's, you it's know what you got to do. It's what the fans demand. It's what the fans need, not necessarily what the fans deserve. <laughs> but it's what this particular fan, at least, is demanding. Yes. And needs desperately. <laughs> so it's at this point that something happens, and I'm very interested to hear what happened for you. So we get back, and we essentially insist that, yes, we're going to go search for Aerith. And we actually spend the night here. And Cloud kind of sits there with Barrett, who's sleeping next to Wedge, which I thought was such a nice touch. Yeah, again, it was a nice moment of, like I said, everything about this section has just really given Barrett that level of humanity that, yeah, he really kind of needed to, we needed to see from him. In this section, you, once again, you you hear a noise and you go outside. Andrew? Yeah? Who showed up for you on the cliff? Tifa? Because apparently, because my wife played this section, whole section before me, she got Aerith. What? I also got Tifa, where, and we can talk about that section in a moment, but apparently, and, and I know for a fact that back in that monster section with Aerith, she specifically talked to Aerith on the ground first. Right here, she said, oh, I didn't get Tifa. I got Aerith. He Basically, Cloud was having a dream sequence where he was talking to Aerith. And oh. I had no idea that that was even an option. That's wild. And yeah, I wonder if that is because of that. That that would That's interesting. Andrew, secret romance metric confirmed. I mean, that wouldn't surprise me because it was always existed in seven. I'm just saying. You were like, oh, you st- you, you're acting like this is, has to be a thing because all the no. Final Fantasies do it and blah, 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 blah. That's what you said. I did. That it, you act like all of them... Or do it, but I, I was just trying to make it clear that like seven and ten are literally the only ones that ever did that. I am just saying, Chris vindicated Andrew Brain wrong. Secret romance metric. I never doubted romance metric was going to be in this game. I didn't. Maybe not in this particular one, but somewhere in this remake, I knew that was going to be a thing. There was obviously something because both you and I got Tifa, and and, and my wife was very. She's like, no, 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 no. This is the first time I'm seeing that because I got Aerith. I didn't even know that was an option. I didn't go back and watch Aerith, which I meant to, and I totally forgot because I wanted to talk about hers since obviously it's way different. My, my guess is it would be very similar, but it's Tifa. But at this point, Aerith is gone. So she said yeah. it was some sort of dream sequence where he was basically having a dream and he was talking to her, which also implies that because she can communicate through the planet or whatever, that maybe she just showed up in his dream to have this conversation with him. I mean, like, yeah, it, like that could very well have been actually, actually been her. her. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so you, so you and I got Tifa and, and, and basically we have this whole conversation about how we, we have to go save her. It's what we have to do. Tifa is still struggling with 
the plate crashing and how horrible it is, which obviously, of course. Yeah, that's the kind of thing you're not going to get over in any short amount of time. Let's just be real. And then she obviously blames herself for it again because she she reiterates, well, this is our fault. This wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for for us, which I'm kind of like at this point, I don't necessarily agree with because it's obviously something Shinra wanted. Avalanche was just the scapegoat. If it wasn't Avalanche, it would have been somebody else anyway. Yeah. And that's kind of goes back to what I was talking about, even in the uh, previous arguments, which not to relitigate those, but just since you brought it up, I did want to say like, that's kind of what I was getting at in terms of, you know, like the idea of this being escalation or whatever, I don't really think would happen. Cause like you say, Shinra would have done this anyway because Shinra wanted to do it. It was always a matter of let's find an excuse to go back to this war because that's what we want to do. I guess briefly going back to the previous conversation, I don't disagree with you. I I really don't. Again, I still don't like the way they went about it. But by that same token, it didn't matter because Shinra was always going to come to this conclusion. I mean, before Shinra even had, because we even know that Shinra doesn't know that Wutai actually has ties to Avalanche. That's just a rumor that they're sowing to specifically get to the point where they want to go fight Wutai again. Yeah, exactly. And that this is like, they don't even know that it's true. I was going to say, it turns out they're right. They just didn't know that. Exactly. And so this was always something they were going to do. In this case, Barrett's Avalanche team just happens to be the scapegoat for it. So, I mean, yeah, I agree that Shinra obviously has to be stopped. I that doesn't mean I have to agree with the methods we right we took and, to do it. And like I said, we've, we've litigated that conversation plenty of times. But yeah, like I just I did just want to say that like yes, that I fully agree. This absolutely would have happened regardless of what you had done, even though it is understandable that everybody would say it is their fault because it would feel like that in the moment, but. Yeah, Shinra would have done this anyway. They just would have said it was somebody else responsible. It just would have been like some Wutai people snuck in and did something. Like, that's just, you know, they just would have come up with something else. Yeah, because they were obviously ready for it. And they had a they had a button specifically for destroy sure. the factory. And then, and literally, it was once you push this button, you literally can't stop it. It just happens. Like, if they yeah. didn't want this to happen, there would have been countermeasures. <laughs> they, they have a button. Like, Anybody who installs a button to murder everyone, uh, it's bad news. (laughs) It's like, this is the, okay, press this button when it's time to destroy the entire facility. It's like, why why does this button exist? (laughs) That button should not exist at all. Yeah, like this seems like a problem. (laughs) So that's the thing. It's like Shinra obviously are the ultimate bad guys here. And it becomes more and more clear as the game progresses. Which is why I don't care to really bring up the argument again, because at some level, I know you're right. And Shinra is the ultimate evil. You know, it just it was one of those things where at the time it just seemed like, guys, there's got to be something else. But now, but actually, I will say this about it, and I want to give you some credit on that. Like, what's really interesting about it is both Shinra and Avalanche were right about the things they were saying about each other, but neither side knew it was actually true. 
Exactly. Nobody, they're like, this is the way it is. And nobody, they're, they're like, well, okay. They just, both sides lucked into being right, right. the whole time. And, and, and that, that's really interesting because like knowing what we know, going, looking back on it is what Avalanche did to try to stop them justified. You could say probably, yeah, but like with what Avalanche realistically knows at the time, is it justified? That's a different discussion. So like, it is interesting because with what they're actually doing. Yeah. Holy crap. These guys are like horrendously super evil and almost anything is justifiable, but with what they think with, with what they know when it's just, you know, oh, they're destroying the planet with power plants and stuff like that. That's a different, it, it's just, it's really interesting. You say both Shinra and avalanche, the propaganda they were spreading about each other, both just happened to actually be true. <laughs> but I will say the avalanche that we are, has no ties to Wutai, and specifically Barrett is extremely offended that anyone would even say it because yeah. there's a section that comes up here relatively soon where you meet Kyrie. It's basically immediately after this is the very first thing. She's a post girl or or newspaper article or I don't know exactly she's, what she was. She's like the the old timey newspaper people that like would just stand there and shout the news to get you to buy a paper. And she basically yells about how Avalanche is with Wu-Tai and that Wu-Tai is the real enemy and Avalanche is just a puppet for them or whatever. And then Barra gets really upset, which to good reason, because we aren't. This Avalanche is not affiliated with Wu-Tai in any way, shape or form. And actually, I haven't gotten no free materia. Well, and I want to... in the loading screen stuff, the little like info boxes that come up while the game is loading, it even specifically says that that is specifically the reason that Barrett left the main avalanche because he was offended at the idea of teaming up with Wutai. And not that he got kicked out, that he specifically was like, no, I refuse to do this. I'm leaving. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. I, and that, I wanted to make sure to, to, when you did it, that reminded me that that was something I had specifically wanted to talk about. I mean, just even just to bring it up that. That according to the official canon of the game, Barrett didn't get kicked out. He specifically left because he was upset at the idea of take of a partnership with Wutai. And that's interesting because he definitely made it seem like for a while the reason they got kicked out, the reason they left is because they got kicked out because they were too extreme. Now, it's very the, interesting that Barrett kind of tells a different story. The game then specifically goes on, like in those same tooltips, it does specifically go on to say that after they left, Barrett's faction be started doing more extreme things, but the original separation was because of disagreements about partnering with Wutai. Interesting. Except that apparently Wedge is like still friends with them, Wedge and Biggs or something, because in that section of the up top, the other avalanche definitely doesn't kill Wedge, and they definitely allow him to escape. Yeah, they definitely like bring him out, and basically, like I, I just basically kind of interpreted it they shoved him in a truck and then just threw him out. Yeah, basically, it just feels like the regular avalanche is treating Barrett's cell like the stupid kids that are like, "Oh my yeah. god, here they are!" <laughs> yes, that it it, it, it it definitely does feel that way. It's like, oh geez, because when they show up, they're like, "You're not even supposed to be here today." And then that like explains why, you know, when Jesse talks about how, you know, she's been having trouble getting in, into contact with HQ and stuff, like, I feel like there was some fallout from that incident and they were like, okay, well, all right, kids go sit in the timeout corner while the adults deal with this. Yeah. You guys clearly don't know what you're doing. And then Bear's just like, whatever, man, we're just going to keep doing our own thing. Yeah. Which is definitely interesting because 
Avalanche being its own, like, in the original game, I didn't really get the impression that Avalanche existed beyond Barrett's little small cell, so making it into a much larger conflict is definitely interesting. And I have no idea where they're going to take it from here. Assuming the end of the game's events continue on unimpeded as these mysterious figures force it to be. Like, are we going to run into avalanche cells in other cities as we leave? That would be really interesting. Exactly. Like, is the, are we going to link up with Wutai at some point? And are, is there going to be a bigger thing against Shinra? Like it it, it kind of sounds I mean, like. It definitely feels like Wutai in general is going to be way more important in the game this time. I would be really surprised if Shinra and Wutai and Avalanche didn't still have a conflict. A much bigger presence going forward. Exactly. I, I would be really bothered by that because, again, like if you're going to take the time to expand on all this stuff, you definitely can't just turn around and basically do what they did in the first in the original game and be like, okay, well, none of this matters. We're just moving on to the real thing now. Like, we just spent an entire game on this stuff. That's way worse than just spending a few hours. It was already bad when you were like, okay, well, the last five hours don't actually matter anymore. We're just going to move on from that. Like, we just spent an entire game. Like, you, you have to go further than that. On some level, I kind of get it because the old president is now dead and Rufus takes over. So it's almost like the entire company suddenly took a directional shift because the president's gone. The fact that they have a board of directors seems really confusing that suddenly Rufus would just take over and suddenly everything changes. But who knows? Maybe Rufus is just that absurdly insane powerful that nobody's willing to question him. Well, I mean, I, I that part I kind of get just because it's like, you know, lots of companies that are like hereditary or whatever. You, you get that sort of thing of, well, everybody just knows the boss's son is going to be in charge. So, like, you can't. Why would we even argue about it? I get that, but that doesn't necessarily mean the entire company take. It's almost like in in Iron Man when Tony Stark comes back and then he suddenly says, "Hey, we don't develop weapons anymore," and it's kind of like, "Wait, what? You you are not allowed to just make a decision like that." It almost seems like well, I don't think I, I think in Shinra's case, he is, though, because like, I mean, I don't know about Stark Industries and how it's publicly traded or not, but I don't think that the world of Final Fantasy seven has a stock market. I'm pretty sure the Shinra family owns everything. <laughs> they have a stock market and everything like that. I mean, who knows? Because you said that Shinra had a very small presence outside of Midgar. Not entirely, because there's a lot of other cities that have reactors and stuff. They just have a very small presence within the context of the story. And, like, the original point of the Midgar-Wutai war was Shinra wanted to put a reactor in there, and Wutai said no. And that's how the fighting started. But, like, you definitely get to see other reactors in other cities and stuff, but you just don't really deal with Shinra as a presence nearly as much. Like, you don't go into any of them. You don't really, like, even see Shinra soldiers walking around and stuff. Like, once you leave Midgar, they're mostly gone. Well, it kind of it kind of seems like Shinra is going to have a much bigger presence. Yes, it does. But we did get, we didn't wind up covering a whole lot of the story, but we actually talked about a lot of really interesting stuff this episode. So, do you have anything else? I feel like next next week is all going to be chapter fourteen, and it's just gonna be because fourteen is. You were right. Hey, it's close to the end of the game. Let's throw every single side quest at you that has ever needed to exist. Uh, Final Fantasy loves doing that for whatever reason. Like when you get to the right before the end game, it's like, hey, you could go save the world, but why don't you go help everybody with every single problem they've ever had instead? And that really is so disappointing because it gets to the point in the game where this is a cliffhanger 
And it's like, all I want to do is continue the story. But you but have to resolve all these things or you're not going to get another chance. Exactly. Oh, that's so, so disappointing. But I really don't like it when games do that. And Final Fantasy has always been really bad about it because there's so there's a few side quests here and there. And then suddenly you get to the end and it's literally just like, here's everything we've been sitting on this entire game. Thanks. Cool. But speaking of cliffhangers, we're going to have to stop it here for this week. Uh, this episode of Video Games Cover to Cover. As always, you can find us online on our Twitter account or via email or our Discord. And as always, I will make sure to put links to that in the episode description. I hate Shinra. Shinra.